Um, we, uh, I asked to do uh, this, this particular message. Number one, because, well, first, where we have talked about knowing God. Okay, when we've talked about knowing God, we've touched on that this morning um, already. I'm going to hit on that again towards the end. But folks, we just, we just don't realize the command to know God. We just don't, I don't think we grasp it. I don't think that we fully understand what that entails and what that means. I don't think that we fully understand what motivates us to actually worship God. And, and let, me, let me take what we normally do here as, as an example. Um, Brandon, he does a fantastic job of organizing our worship service. Don't you agree? He's done a wonderful job with, with organizing and putting this, to, this together, this series together, uh, that me and Pastor Ben, we were like, let's do it. You know, we've got, we, that's five weeks of sermons that we've got. We just got to put the words together. He's done a fantastic job. This morning, we've had some really good singing. And Pastor Brandon just sang a wonderful, a wonderful song right here about being a child of God. I know I'm a child of God. But here's what happens. We get wrapped up in the entertainment of our worship. We get wrapped up in the entertainment of the song and the music that we forget I know that I'm a child of God too. And so while he's singing, I need to be worshiping. Now, what does that look like? Let me tell you something. The, what, what is on our hearts today? What true biblical worship is? If Pastor Brandon is standing right here and he sings that song and it moves you to get up out of your seat and to worship the Lord your God, then by all means, get up and worship your God. That's not going to bother him. It's not going to distract him. As a matter of fact, it's going to inspire him because he knows the Spirit is moving. Again, that's not in my message. That's not my notes. But here we go. So, ah, folks, we've been discussing biblical worship the last couple of weeks and learning what it really does mean. And I look forward to the next several messages that are coming up. Today is our first look at why we worship. We've had some commands in our worship. One of them is to know God, to know God as Lord. But today we're going to look at what motivates us or what should motivate us to worship God. So I want you to look. This is the passage of Scripture that we've been covering. So look at Psalm 100, verse 3. And it says this, Know the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Folks, we find here three motivations. Three motivations that should stir us up, that should give us a desire to worship our God. We're going to break it down. We're going to look at this so that you know what we're doing, why we're doing it, or what should motivate you. Number one, are you ready? This is going to be quick. I don't plan it because this is straight, it is simple, it is to the point. 
I don't plan on lingering very long on this because you either get it or you don't. Amen? You either get it or you don't. So here it is. Number one, it is He who made us. God is our Creator. Number one, God is our Creator. And do you know, this is the first name that God uses to reveal Himself to you. The first name that He uses is Creator. In all of Scripture, that's what He starts with. How often, think about it, how often do we see a piece of art? Y'all like going to art museums? All right, some of y'all need some culture. I like going to art museums. I like seeing uh, interesting things, different stuff. Um, as a matter of fact, not too long, well, it was last year, I think, we went up to the Cincinnati Museum, and they had the Terracotta Army. Y'all have seen those? You've seen those? Dis well, they had a display up there, and it was a traveling around. Let me tell you, some of the detail that is in that, I mean, you just marvel at it. You're taking pictures of it. You're reading the history of it. You, just, you marvel at the creation of it, and then you stop and you think, man, who made that? Who put that together? There are buildings that we look at that you stand back and you're just in awe of the structure itself. And it makes me think, well, who created that? Who put that together? Who drew that up? There's music. Any music lovers? Music lovers? I'm a huge music... Why didn't you raise your hand? I'm a huge music lover, right? And there's all kinds of music out there that I really enjoy. There, there's classical. There's contemporary. Um, there's... Christian rock. Now that figured that would be kind of quiet. I like that as well, you know. But when you when it makes when I hear the music, and it makes me wonder, man, I want to know the author. Folks, our God is our creator. Genesis one one. I'm going to cover the Bible from start to finish. One one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Our God is the creator of all things. The creator of all life. That alone should drive you to worship God. So, uh, John chapter 1, verse 3 says this, Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Folks, it is through the Son that the Father has created all things. All you have to do is look around into the world and into the nature and you see you can look beyond our heavens into the universe, into the stars and the moons and all of that that's going on. You can see and that it, it all proclaims the Creator. Look at Psalm 19, verse 1 and 4. I love this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. But get this. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. God is creator and guess what? Creation itself worships God. 
Creation cries out that I have a creator. And it points to the one that spoke it into existence. It doesn't have words like I have words. It doesn't have a language that people have a hard time understanding because the Scripture also says through creation and and through the Word, man is without excuse to know that there is a Creator. So we worship God our Creator. He is a Creator of all things and creation cries out in worship. Well, guess what? We are the masterpiece of His creation. Do you know that? Do you believe that this morning? You are the crown of creation. Genesis 1.26 says this, Then God said, are you ready? You know this. Let us make mankind, what? Like all the other beasts? Like all the other fish? Like all the other the birds of the air? No, He says, let us make man in our image in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky over the livestock and all the animals and over all creatures that move along the ground god created this unbelievable massive universe he created life he breathed stars into existence and then he made us to be over it all we are the crown of his creation We have a voice. We have our words. Should we not be crying out in worship even louder than the creation? If we are ruling over it, we are to subdue this earth, this creation that He has given us to have and to maintain and to to take care of, to rule over, then should we not be leading creation in worship? We should. That is our first first motivation in worshiping God because God is our creator. Number two, in verse in, in this in this passage, it says here, we are his. God is our redeemer. God is our creator. But God is our Redeemer. Why? Well, here it is, folks. Though we are the masterpiece of His creation, though we are the crown of His creation, we have been made in His image to be ruler over all of these. Guess what happened? Anything that man touches, he just ruins. And so we failed. We failed in creation. And there became through us sin and death that entered into His creation. Folks, we talk about sin and death. We talk about why did did so many things happen and this and that. And, And let me tell you something. A lot of times we cop out and we say, well must be God's will. Let me tell you something. Sin and death and and the way that we are living was never in God's will. It was never in His plans. He had a perfect creation that He looked at and said, this is good. But we failed Him. And sin and death entered into His creation. But guess what? He didn't just wrinkle it up and throw it away. He says, 
I am going to bring my creation, including man, back to me. God is our Redeemer. We are His. And so God, through His Son Jesus, has redeemed us. What has He redeemed us from? He has redeemed us from sin. Titus 2.14 says this, and the, the, the letter is speaking of, of Jesus in this verse, and He says, Jesus, who gave Himself to us, excuse me, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for Himself a people that are His very own, eager to do what is good. Folks, we are His. I am not my own. Too many times we live this life as if the decisions are all mine. Nope. If the decisions are all mine, that's where I get in trouble. I am not my own. I am His because I have been redeemed. I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Isaiah 44.22 says this, and he's, God is speaking to His people. He says, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to Me, for I have redeemed you. Think about that for a minute. It doesn't matter how great my sin was or is. doesn't matter how great your sin is. He wiped it away like a cloud. Whew. Wiped it out like a mist. It's nothing to God. That's how powerful our Redeemer is. So I have been redeemed from sin. I have been redeemed from death. Romans 6.22 says, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And get this, the result is eternal life. Eternal. That is the result of worshiping our redeeming God. Accepting our Lord and our Savior is freedom from sin and redemption from death. Oh, eternal life. Let me tell you something, folks. This alone, right, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. This alone is the only motivation that you need to worship your God. If He has done nothing before, for me before, He does nothing before or, or after this, this one thing that I know that my God, He has redeemed me. I am forgiven. I am washed clean. He leads me in righteousness and He provides me eternal life. That alone, if nothing else, we worship our Redeemer. We are His. We are His. Number three. It says in the last part, we are His people. The sheep of His pasture. You see, I made mention that God as Redeemer is all I need. God says, I got more. 
more? You've got more for me than forgiveness and grace? You've got more for me than redemption? You have more for me than being saved from my sin and death? And God says, yes, I do. I have life. I have abundant life. I have joyful, abundant life for you. That I can live and that you can live, guess what? Right now. Right now. God is our shepherd king. We are his. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. He is our shepherd. And folks, it was very, very common for kings to be referred to as shepherd over their people. And the people, the realm, the kingdom that they were in charge of, they were his flock. They were the people of his pasture. Folks, God is our king. And he is our shepherd. Because he does not just, and, and I know this sounds, this sounds strange, he doesn't just save me, but he protects me, he provides for me, he supplies my every need from that point on. He is my shepherd. He provides care for me. He provides protection for me. He provides protection and care and leadership, life, blessings, you name it. You're going to find it. And He provides it for His kingdom and for His people. This is another motivation in order to worship our God. Psalm 23. We all know it. We all know it. But I'm going to read it again, and I want you to pay attention. Please listen to Psalm 23. And, and here's the thing, folks. This passage of Scripture does not talk about a distant king or a distant ruler. It is talking about an intimate relationship with our shepherd. An intimate, personal relationship with our Creator, our Redeemer, our Provider, our Protector, our Shepherd. Listen to these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. Does anybody need their soul restored this morning? Anybody having some troubling waters in your life? Because He makes us lie down beside still waters and He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Think about that for a minute. Yes, He provides for me for my good. Absolutely. But it says in the Scripture here that He does this for His name's sake. What does that mean? Let me tell you something. He promised to take care of you. For His name's sake, of maintaining that promise, of being a holy, truly trustful, uh, trustworthy God, guess what? He's going to take care of you. Because according to His name, He will not fail. So by His name's sake, He will take care of you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, There's some people walking through a valley. Know how you get through it? Worship your shepherd. Amen. 
Because even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me, and your rod and your staff comfort me. <laughs> we don't have a God that leaves us to our own. We have a God that walks beside us. We have a God that lives within us. And He takes us through the deepest, darkest, most devastating times of our life here on this earth. And He comforts you through it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Our God, our shepherd. Next most common, most well-known, John 10, 14. Because Jesus speaking and he proclaims so we have the psalmist right here that writes that the lord is my shepherd and then jesus comes along and he says i am the shepherd i am the good shepherd i know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and i know the father and i lay down my life for the sheep folks god did not just um, motivate David to write Psalm 23. He sent his son to display Psalm 23 to say, I am all that you need. And so Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. God knows you inside and out. It is our job to know Him. Because He says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Folks, you cannot worship if you don't know Him. You cannot walk this life and survive if you don't know Him. You will not understand God as Creator if you don't know Him. You will not receive Him as Redeemer if you don't know Him. You will not live in the blessing and the pleasures of His shepherdhood if you don't know Him. How are we to know Him? Jesus says here, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. This is how intimate our relationship is supposed to be with our God. Just as the Father. This is Jesus speaking. My sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. That is how serious it is to know our God. This is how serious it is to worship our God. He is Creator, He is Redeemer, and He is our Shepherd. God made me. <laughs> God redeemed me. And God made me His own. I will worship Him. So here it is, church. I'm going to be completely honest. I'm going to be blunt as I can possibly be to you this morning. 
If you're not motivated to worship God, you don't truly know Him. Because if you truly know God the way we're supposed to know God, you can't help but to worship God. Are you hearing me, church? If you don't know Him, you can't worship Him. So, we're going to go right back to the original invitation. You've got to know Him. Do you? If you do, praise God, stand up, and worship. Let the church know. Let your family know. Let the world know that He is your God. And you stand up and you worship, calling Him the Creator, the Redeemer, the Shepherd. Because here it is, folks. More bluntness. Pastor Ben, Pastor Brandon, myself, we can put together a fantastic series that teaches and preaches about biblical worship, about true worship. We can cover the commands of worship. We can cover the motivations of worship. But let me tell you something. It's up to you. We can teach it and preach it. But if you don't receive it, if you don't accept it, if you don't uh, 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 apply it, Are you hearing me? I'm not trying to browbeat you. I'm not. I'm just trying to help you understand true worship. Amen?